0: Women that were in recovery, and I was looking around and like at their smiles, and like as I said before, like it hurt for me to smile. And I just thought in my head, like I want to be able to smile again. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was like the thing. That was like the moment that I was like, I'm gonna give this whole um I'm going to give this recovery thing a shot. And sorry, I'm like getting choked up when I think about it. But it was a profound moment, just like looking at smile, like true, genuine smiles and laughter and kindness that was given to me. And I wasn't alone anymore um, because this disease is really isolating. Um, Like I suffered from something called terminal uniqueness and uh, thought Mm -hmm. I was the only one going through what I was going through. Right. So... Um, knowing I wasn't alone, that was, that was also helpful in um, getting and staying stopped and still is to this day that I'm, I'm not alone.
1: Welcome to the podcast. This is Zen Mama and Everyday Gurus. This is Mary, and I have another amazing guest to share with you this week, Kate Landry, and we will get right to the show. Kate is um, bringing back an interview that I haven't done for a while, which is with someone that's in recovery from substance use disorder, which was how we began the podcast, if any of you have been following me This podcast started out as Zen Mama in the Addict, and I was doing this with my daughter, Kate. Um, And then over time, as she's still in her struggle, um, I have changed to broaden the lens of the interviews I had. But it was uh, first, you know, just telling our story, but also telling the story of others that were in recovery and how they rounded that corner and how they sustained um, their recovery goals. So I'm really excited to be sharing. another one of these interviews uh kate is so uh, genuine in her sharing of her journey and uh, she not only is in recovery but she walks beside others that are struggling so it's been really helpful for me to work with kate and to um, get to know her as a colleague and her breadth of Uh, resources and understanding of what this whole journey around addiction really encompasses from so many angles and for those of you out there just um, sending out my love for those of us walking beside it sending out my love it's um, it's a tough one and uh, we're hardwired for the journey though and worthy of it and I think the community and connection is so important which is why I want you to listen to the podcast. And then at the end, I'm going to let you know about an offering that I'm uh, doing soon right here in Burlington and um, for those of us that are walking beside the journey of those struggling. So here we go. Here's me and Kate Landry. Enjoy. Hey, everyone, welcome back to this episode of Zen Mama and Everyday Gurus. I am super excited to have a woman that I've just come to know in this last year, um, Kate Landry. Welcome to Zen Mama. How are hey, you doing, Mary. Kate?
0: Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here on this Sunday morning and taking a few minutes to chat. Kate and I work together at SANA, which is a treatment center in Stowe, Vermont, and um, and I've just been really taken by Kate and I haven't actually heard her story, but I see how she works with people in early recovery and just her passion for working in this field. And, um, you know, I'd love to have people on here that sort of take their story and turn it into um, their what how they're showing up in the world. And I feel like Kate has taken and found her inner light and and shines it brightly every day. I feel like you are a little bit of sunshine walking around at sauna, and you're giving a lot of people hope, I know, and, um, and relatability to this journey. Yeah. So, But I don't know a lot about your story, and I don't know a lot about you, so maybe you could just start by saying a little bit about who you are and how you yeah. came to be to this point in your life.
0: Absolutely. Um. Yeah, my name's Kate, and uh, I was born in Troy, New York. I ended up in Vermont in 2018. um, Just fell in love with the way of the land, um, all of it, uh, the mountains, you know, and uh, I wasn't recovered when I moved up to Burlington, Vermont. Um, I was still active in my addiction at the time. Um, I took the job at sauna because of my lived experience. I never thought I'd end up working in a treatment center, um, but here I am. (laughs) So I, and I do love it, but yeah. um, Before you launch
1: into your story, Kate, I see you majored in English.
0: Yes. Yeah. How did I end up at a treatment center?
1: (laughs) So we just never know. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted, I wanted to be a writer. um, And part of me, I, when I was in college, I was, deep in my, my ways. And I was, I wanted to be the next Ernest Hemingway. I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he, he, he drank and he wrote and he was fantastic. And I want to be just like, him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you
1: think, I mean, you do, we do see a lot of people like in music, especially, but I mean, that I think think, well, for various reasons that struggle, but sometimes I, and you're kind of reflecting on that when you're in that place, you think it feeds your creativity almost.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Even more so in recovery, um, I've actually recently gotten back into writing Mm -hmm. and um, we've been bringing writing workshops into Sana, um, Writers for Recovery. And yeah, some of the stuff that just comes out when you put a pen to paper is just, it's mind boggling. Like it's, I'll, I'll start writing and then I'll look down at what I'm writing and I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't even know that that thought was in my mind. Um, yes. it's, it's a cool thing. It's a yeah. wonderful cool thing. I don't um,
1: think I knew that you were a writer and I went to one of the Writer Recovery um, offerings at sauna recently and it was very powerful. So Writers in Recovery is, in Vermont, I should probably have someone on to talk about that program. Cause it's pr- pretty powerful. And we have a variety of people at sauna always in each group, but everyone, it was so profound. What came out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Simple yeah. prompts. Like I am from, or yeah.
1: I want, I've to been thinking about, from. yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you, you end up spilling your guts and you don't even realize it. Um, yeah, it's, I, I love writing. I, I did a lot of writing when um, I spent some time in treatment and it's therapeutic. It's therapy. Um, yeah. I have a hard time, you know, verbally saying my like innermost thoughts and emotions and um, traumas and whatnot. But when I can just write it down and whether I share it with somebody else or not, it's it's uh. sacred. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's therapeutic so yeah. Oh, yeah, I I've love always that. loved writing oh
1: I didn't know that so well you and I have to talk because I'm I'm, I'm holding as those listening to me know I, I started holding some it's called writing down the bones it's yoga and the art of writing so mm. I've just begun to offer that and yeah I would love to, you and I need to chat a little offline yeah. about <laughs> our writing I didn't even know that so yeah that's have awesome. another
0: basement conversation
1: yeah for sure <laughs> Well, maybe um, from here, do you want to talk a
0: little bit about
1: your journey with addiction and recovery?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of dove in there. Um, Like I said, I'm just kind of like pumped about recovery. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Yeah. yeah, I um, I recovered in 2019, uh, September 13th. It was the night of the super moon, and it was Friday the thirteenth, and I decided to do something crazy and uh, put down all substances, and I have been abstinent ever since. Um, and except for caffeine, caffeine is still one of the ones that I'm working on. But we're not all perfect; we're not mm-hmm. saints. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, um, my, my, I grew up in a family a loving caring, supportive family um, that was no stranger to substance use. Uh, I come from a very long line of people with substance use disorder. Um, and I I know I was born the way that I am. I, mm-hmm. I was born with, I mean, just the tendencies and the behaviors of someone, Um, Not to generalize, but like someone with substance use disorder, um, just as long as I can remember, I was always just discontented, um, always wanting more. Like there was never enough candy. There was never enough attention from mom and dad. There was never enough uh, good grades in school. I just needed more of everything. Um, I needed that instant gratification, which is something that I definitely struggled with when I started picking up and using um, so do you recognize that at an early,
1: like as far back as you can remember.
0: Yeah, as far as far back as I can remember, at the time, no, I I didn't even know yeah. what substance use disorder really was. Um, I I saw it firsthand, but I didn't. I thought that it was a ch- uh, a choice, mm-hmm.
2: you know. I thought it
0: was a lifestyle, um, getting drunk or high, and like you know, just kind of that party lifestyle. That's what I thought, um, Hmm. all that was, but looking back on it, like I can see all the tendencies and behaviors, um, of what someone with substance use disorder usually has. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I have a bunch of home videos that my dad put on DVD. Um, he used to have the, the whole, the camcorder and one year he he took all the tapes, put them on DVD. I'm aging myself a little bit. Um, and just looking back on it, it's just, I was, I was a ham. I was a ham. Um, I was always like crying out for attention. Uh, and I, I was a space cadet for sure. Still am sometimes, but, um, yeah, you could, I could. I don't know whether it's because I've like, I've been through it and I've seen it. um, But I, I look at that little girl on the, on the camera and I'm like, yeah, that's me. That, that is a hundred percent. I, I was born into being a individual with substance use disorder, if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. Um,
1: So interesting. Do you feel like I have heard that I've heard people say they were highly sensitive children that sort of felt the world too intensely and that they felt that, you know, substances became a way to soften the human journey of being with it. I, I kind of feel like you're describing, like maybe in some ways you were creating that distance by sort of checking out in some ways, like you were saying you were kind of an Oh, did you say airhead? I don't know what you said, but you were yeah,
0: impulsive, uh spacey.
1: Spacey, yeah. (laughs) I mean, not obviously intentionally doing it, but you know, in retrospect, do you
0: think that you did
1: feel it, or do you just think that this is a different end of the spectrum? Kind of
0: yeah. No, I think that I I was very sensitive. I remember someone telling me, like, you're you're sensitive, you get that from your mother. Um, and Ironically, addiction runs through my mother's side rampantly, but um, I i was a sensitive kid. I was easily offended and just like felt everybody else's feelings as mm-hmm. well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I would cry at, I mean, I grew up with two sisters, so one of them could say my shoes were ugly and I'd start sobbing <laughs> uncontrollably.
2: Yeah. Okay, But
0: yeah, I, I do feel like I, I felt too much. Um, especially leading up into my teen years when I did start drinking and using. Um and I mean, you you hear a lot of the time people in recovery, there's that whole feeling of being on the outside looking in. Like I was very mm-hmm. uncomfortable in the skin that I was in as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so hence all the acting out and hence the hypersensitivity. And I was just I I didn't know what to do in this vessel. I yeah. felt like, um mm-hmm. so yeah, I feel
1: like that's uh, probably really relatable and helpful to hear to a lot of people. I mean, I think I say our earth suits, right? like we're trying to figure out how to be in them, and I don't think as kids we're told it's gonna be uncomfortable sometimes, and that's okay, yeah. like that's part yeah. of being human, and I just have to wonder, like when you were young. And had all that going on. If someone had planted some seeds in you of, of knowing around that, you know, I mean, I just wonder how can we help, <laughs>
2: yeah. you know,
1: when we see that early on, but I mean, this is why I have people on. So we can like begin to talk about and understand how to yeah. like move that dial. When you feel like you came in hardwired for substance use yeah. or yeah. of some sort. Right.
0: Absolutely. I love uh, the term earth suits. I've never heard that. I love that so
1: much. A yoga teacher. Yeah. Always. Yeah. To that. And, you know, it's like that. And I mean, I, I want to hear more about your story for sure. And how you've obviously transcended in this one night of clarity around it. But I mean, I think the whole journey of being human is how, how do we um, interface with this world that's, that's, we all feel, but some people feel more intensely than others, you know, and how do we um, stay resilient and stay learn to be comfortable with who we yeah. are. Yeah, absolutely. But you thought yeah. you were seeing adults model not not numbing from that journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I saw some things as a child that were uncomfortable, and I felt yeah, just a bunch of discomfort and hurt and sadness and what i was taught was like to just kind of shove that down Mm -hmm. to a deep dark place and to not talk about the substance use in my family Mm -hmm. um like we don't talk about so and so and they're drinking we don't talk about that with friends we don't talk about that with school counselors we we just don't talk about it Mm -hmm. um not in like an ignorant way but just because like There's nothing we can do. Um, I've learned the hard way that like no human power or no like no person can save me, it could like stop me from using and drinking. Um so
2: yeah. You think it was
1: inevitable, Kate? Is that what you're saying? You think it was inevitable regardless of any intervention that might have happened with you when you were younger? You think it would have happened regardless?
0: Um you know i i think had inter- some intervention happened at like maybe like my mid teens maybe like i would have been a little more aware of the risk of my like my my how my chances of becoming what i what i was um were heightened due to like the family history but i didn't really have that knowledge i still thought that it was a life choice um yeah it's hard to not, tell a teenager
1: any differently anyway
0: <laughs> yeah no absolutely <laughs> honestly I mean
1: I, I've I've read all of just Leahy's things and yeah. you know as you may or may not know I'm raising my grandchildren who whose both parents struggled with addiction and I um and my daughter does but I didn't we didn't have that clear clearness of happening like I I don't know if I would have known but I yeah I didn't know I had to address something that was happening yeah But anyway, even with my, my teenagers, like I still continue to give them information, but I mean, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's really, I mean, they still are curious. They still think they live in a bubble.
0: Right. Right. I do feel like the more information that is given, the less likely the chance, um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have information. I was just a kid being a kid, um, like starting to drink at 12 years old was kind of the norm in Troy, New York, um, Mm -hmm. Like we start partying before we enter high school. It's like some kind of weird hazing. Um, and yeah, I, I I think, yeah, but nothing was going to penetrate like that, that idea that rom- I just roman- romanticized the drink all the mm. time, like drinking and using gave me my body like that, some comfort. Because I, as I said, I I, I was just uncomfortable in my skin. Um, It gave my mind some relief because I mean these thoughts were always racing and like always just a a lot of squirrels up in there, as I like to say. Um, (laughs) But like my my soul was starving, you know. Like I was like feeding my body and my mind drugs and alcohol, and then like didn't realize the harm I was doing to like my soul and my emotional, um, my emotional health and all of that. that. Um, if that makes any sense, but yeah, yeah that's like kind of how I, I see it is like, yeah, like substances did all these things for me as an awkward, uncomfortable preteen um, and going into being a teenager and then a young adult. Um, but I wasn't aware of the the harm it was doing to my spirit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and it sounds like you were still showing up. Like you ended up still going to call. Like you were still making life. Ha- you were a functioning addict, I guess. We yes. Saying, right.
0: Yeah. I, was, I mean, you didn't
1: know that at the time,
2: but yeah,
0: yeah. Very high functioning. Played sports in high school. Um, got good grades.
2: I mm. uh,
0: I kind of um, question how I got my degree. From at, um, SUNY Oneonta. Um, mm. I went to a state university of Oneonta. It's also called Stoney Um, okay. Some, uh, circles. Um, but yeah, I, I was able to get jobs. I was able to hold on to some friendships like surface level friendships. Um, it's, it's quite remarkable. Um,
1: yeah. And kind of scary. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Cause I feel like, you know, Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, we see a lot of people come into the treatment center and they're like pretty well esteemed in their positions at work and, um, or in their family or, you know, they're living their lives and it's like, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy that, um, we're able to
2: live that double life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's usually somebody's hit some wall. The universe has said, Hey, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) you know, Um, (laughs)
1: but if not, and I I know, I know that a few people have come in and said, well, without that, I didn't think I could get my A's. I didn't think I'd become this doctor without that drug. Um, That was probably a prescribed drug at the time um, to help them. And so, you know, what am I without my substances is, is, I think, scary for a lot of people.
0: Oh, absolutely. And putting it all down, that identity crisis that I went through, at least. And I've, I've heard a few other people in recovery have also gone through. It's It was scary. Um, it's like, what am I good at? What can I do? What are my abilities? What are my passions and whatnot? Um, so in early recovery, just like relearning all of that
2: um well so so, Kate you
1: you um you went through college and then you started working and then at some point I mean did you just decide I'm done or was there like incidents leading up to that or was it really just this full moon night
0: yeah no no so yeah there were a lot of um there were a lot of incidences signs um near-death experiences if I'm being quite honest um starting from my freshman year of college, pretty much. Um, and
2: to,
0: when I got to my senior year, there was no doubt in anybody's mind that I was um, in trouble, mm-hmm. uh, except for my own. I, I kind of like would just brush off any of the physical or mental issues that came about from my drinking and using. Um, but, you know, we have what is called like a, everybody has a rock bottom. Um, not everybody, but a lot of people that go through the, the coaster ride of substance use disorder. There's a rock bottom a lot of the time and some people stop after their rock bottom, but, um, I kept digging, uh, and I continued to dig even after, uh, treatment hospital hospitalizations, um, you know, all of it. Um, I, the whole gambit, but I, uh, I, I, I was on a, you know, looking back on it now, um, I kept digging because I felt like there was no other way out. Um, I was just a shell of a human being.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: so digging was the only thing I knew how to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I'd hit that rock bottom and then I'm like, okay, like let's skirt off to the side a little bit and keep digging a hole in there. And like, just it, I, there was no stopping me. Um, mm-hmm. There was no health scare or uh pleading family member or, um, you know, the legal issue that could stop me from continuing on the way I was going. Um, but yeah, leading up to that, that eventful Friday night, um, I had tried a few different things. I was in and out of uh, uh, peer support groups, um, which I, I got a lot of tools and tricks and knowledge from people. But I would just show up at the groups. I wouldn't actually contribute and I wouldn't actually take anything in. I would just say... I would just go so that i could tell people i was going and that Mm -hmm. i was doing something for myself but Mm -hmm. i was still drinking i was still using um but there were some things that that stuck um you know and i went every time that i would go back out because i'd have like short periods of of abstinence and i'd go back out and i'd be like oh like i have all this knowledge about like what i am and the harmfulness of what I'm doing. So I can't drink or use the way that I used to. It's not fun anymore.
1: Uh, Um, The seeds have been planted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The seeds have been planted and there was no stopping that growth, but, um, I, I, you know, that alcohol and drugs were my best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I had to use them alone in my, in my room, then I would do that. Um, You know, I, the world didn't need to know what I was doing. Like I had to put on that image that I was going to uh, peer support groups or counseling. Um, But I was still the same Kate I was five, 10 years ago before. Mm. Um, That uncomfortable, sad, hurt little girl in a woman's body. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, when... I had been trying since I was 22. That's when I first started going to peer support groups Um, and uh, 12-step programs are part of my um, background. Uh, That's when I first started to attend those meetings and talk to people. And when I, it kind of started to click a little bit was at 22, but, you know, as I, I ignored all of that um, (laughs) for about four or five more years and just kept on trucking along and 26, I was just looking around at friends and family, like getting engaged and having have, having babies or like going to grad school and moving on up in life or just like people smiling. What, seeing people smile mm-hmm. was like mind blowing to me. Cause like looking back on pictures of myself when I was using, I couldn't smile. It like hurt to smile. Um, I, it, it's hard for me to look back on pictures when, between the ages of 22 and twenty twenty six because
2: mm-hmm.
0: I could just see the pain in my face. Mm-hmm. Like there was just so much hurt. Um, and I mean, like it's, it was a face of someone that was slowly dying not to be dark or anything, but that's the truth of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's what was happening. Um, but yeah, so That seed was planted. And then eventually like the jig was up and this, this term is used a lot in the recovery community, but I was sick and tired of being sick and tired.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I didn't want to die, but I also didn't want to continue living the way I was living. Um, Mm -hmm. I had burned so many bridges and I mean, I still had a job. I really, I, that baffles me, but, um, (laughs) I just like I had nothing to to show for like the the degree I had or like the the job I was working. I I had nothing to like be proud of. I wasn't passionate about anything. I, the relationships I had still surface level relationships and um yeah, I the night before I um I I decided to just stop everything um I had met a few women that were in recovery and I was looking around and like at their smiles and like as I said before like it hurt for me to smile and I just thought in my head like I want to be able to smile again Mm -hmm. that was it that was like the thing that was like the moment that I was like I'm gonna give this whole um I'm going to give this recovery thing a shot. And sorry, I'm like getting choked up when I think about it. But it was a profound moment, just like looking at smile, like true genuine smiles and laughter and kindness that was given to me. And I wasn't alone anymore um, because this disease is really isolating. Um, Like I suffered from something called terminal uniqueness and uh,
2: thought I was the only
0: one going through what I was going through. Right. So... Um, knowing I wasn't alone—that was—that was also helpful in um, getting and staying stopped, and still is to this day that I'm I'm not alone.
1: Yeah, so interesting, Kate, because you'd been going to peer groups, like you knew you weren't. It's just that aha moment is just such a unique one. It feels like to me yeah. you know as i hear people's stories there's always similarities of the struggle like because yeah. we all do but that um that term that isolation that thinking you're alone i mean that that um counterbalance is what we all long for which is a sense of belonging and worthiness right yeah. Yeah. but it sounds like the substances were or maybe the um you know wherever you were, whatever that block is that like you show up to do the things, to check the boxes, to make the people in the external world happy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe leave you alone to your own demise. Right. So I'll go to the thing, but, you know, not really taking in and looking around and saying, well, I'm not alone in this or, um, but that's beautiful and, 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 you know, and sad, um, but also like the ability to not be able to smile is what i'm saying but it's also like it is really beautiful that that was what was the turning point for you right yeah. you wanted your insides exactly. to match your outsides and you wanted exactly yeah exactly
0: yeah cuz my insides i mean did not match my outside i you know i i'd had a <laughs> lot of like health issues due to my drinking and using and um, you know like people ask like, Oh, was like that, that hospital stint, like, was that the turning point for you? Or when you, when you went to treatment, was that the turning point for you? Or when you went to your first peer support group, was that the turning point for you? And I said, no, I like wasn't ready at any of those times. I wasn't ready um, to turn my life around Mm -hmm. to be happy again. And, um, I got it when I got it. And mm-hmm. you know, I see young people come into the peer support groups and I'm just like, damn, I wish that I got it. Sorry if that's sorry, I that's I didn't okay. I- have
2: <laughs> bomb yeah. on the show. It's okay. ears.
0: <laughs> um I I there's like that tinge of jealousy. Like, I wish I got it sooner, but I got it when I got it, and I'm grateful that I did. And yeah, it's, it's also beautiful getting to watch young people come in and people of all ages, really. But like, you know, we live in a culture where like, be you know, like college kids just being college kids just drinking and using and, you know, that's, that's the culture we live in. That's how we socialize. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's some shifts happening. Awareness is growing. But you know, there's also a lot of mental health and, you know, a lot of issues. We have a lot of changes to make societally. Um, but Kate, so when you, you said 12 step is once you got to that day and you were like, I, I want the smile, the moon is full.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <like> um, crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so then did you just, what, what did treatment look like for you at that point? Cause you'd had a lot. Did you go back to a, like a, a treatment no. center? Or did you just start going to AA or what'd you do?
0: That's kind of the the insane part of it. Um, I I was a the type of um, substance user that would have very scary um, symptoms and consequences when going through withdrawal. Mm. And like I, I, you're gonna be like, oh, like she's this is all bull crap. But I didn't go back to treatment. I just put it down. I like. I yeah I had a lot of like TLC that weekend um but I just dove right into my my program Mm -hmm. um, and working on myself and I did whatever it takes whatever somebody told me to do I would do it because I was I became desperate and I became willing to just change everything I knew everything I knew about myself and um Mm -hmm but yeah i i i don't know why i didn't suffer any negative um physical consequences that day when i sat when i just put everything down but i did and um it wasn't like a a fun transition from you know heavily using to just stopping cold turkey it was very uncomfortable but i didn't I mean, in hindsight, I probably should have gone back to treatment, but I, I, I didn't and I, I made it through and I just, and I'm still here today to tell the story.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, I just, I just dove into the work I had to do around myself to, um, you know, feed my soul. Mm. My, my soul was finally being fed. Yeah. Um, as I had said before, like my, I felt like my soul was always starving, um, yeah. And yeah, I just, the work that I did around myself, like was, I was just slowly feeding that soul and it wasn't easy work and it wasn't all like sunshine and roses. It was, there were some really hard uncomfortable moments. Um, but you know, I, I learned to be come to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, cause I, I was always an uncomfortable kid and teen and young adult. Um, so yeah, I I just kind of I I just dove right in. Dove right and in you, said,
1: did you were you working the steps when you say you're doing the work or you were Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I was working the steps. Um I was going to a lot of peer support meetings. Um like on Saturdays I'd go to five in one day. I'd hop mm. from Colchester to Essex Junction to South Burlington to Burlington. And yeah, I just kind of I got to know other people in recovery, ask them how they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, eventually I branched out and working at sauna has also like really opened my, my horizon. Like I've just like learned so much about like all the different ways people get and stay recovered. It's
2: yeah.
0: fantastic. I mean, when I was in treatment, and this is like kind of what I love most about sauna and my position when I was in treatment, I was told that like AA was really my only choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it was like, I'm on my own completely. Like, just, Mm -hmm. just try to stay healthy, do your best. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, AA is what eventually saved my life. But had I known there were other options, maybe I would have explored a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing that I strive to do at sauna as a continued care specialist is, you know, open everybody's like eyes to all the options that are out there. Like we all have a path that fits us. Um, and yeah, I, I like to have the, this analogy when I sit down with a patient is like, I'm like the hiking director. I mean, I have my path that I know so well, but I'm here to help you find your path and like overcome the obstacles of climbing that mountain on your path and whatnot. Like, yeah. Cause yeah, we do have, we all have our own paths. And um, I think that's important for people in early recovery to know is like, you don't have to do this alone. Mm.
2: Um, yeah. Your
0: your disease wants you to do this alone, but you don't have to.
2: Mm.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, okay. Um, people come to sauna for anywhere from a week to a month. We encourage a three to four weeks stay, but not long after they start there that you, know, you could do detox and a residential stay there. And, um, not long after they've been there, Kate starts working with them about the discharge and what that's going to look like. Um, you know, I think our approach is similar, even in wellness. I'm like, I'm going to offer you a potpourri of options here. You know, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you to stay well, right? Yeah. And resilient, but you get to find out and remember what lights you up inside and what feeds your soul. Right.
0: Right. right. And yeah, like sometimes some people really like I have a family member who is in recovery and she does yoga every day. And she stays recovered. She's been recovered for like fifteen plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, just like being working on her wellness and her spirituality and doing yoga. Um mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it's it something whatever works, just run with it. Yeah. Just doing it, you know.
1: Well, it's the um, discipline, right? Of like continuing to show up, even when you're like, ah, oh, I got this, you know. Yeah. Right? Yep. You still have to show up, even if it's five, even if that day all you do is show up for five meetings, right. Right? That's, yeah, right? Some days, I'm sure in the beginning, that's what you're holding on to is just like, get me through this day, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And slowly after time went by, I was less reliant on those meetings and on people and mm. more reliant on my spirituality and, um, not not myself so much, but um, yeah, I just wasn't reliant on the meetings to keep me, uh, you know, in recovered. Um, and I found other ways that like bring me happiness and keep me recovered, like getting out in nature. Yeah, um, and that was a big draw in for me with sauna being out near um, Mansfield. Mansfield was a huge part of my spiritual journey um, and now it's so cool cause I have an office that just overlooks Mansfield but I remember when I was driving past the UVM campus and I was, I think through like a week in recovery and I just like, I was like, I like, I, I just, I was struggling with um, just coming to terms that like I'm not the center of the universe and I can't, I can't fix myself. Um, there's got to be something bigger than myself out there. And Mm -hmm. I looked over at Mansfield and I'm like, well, I know I didn't create that mountain. So there's definitely something bigger than Kate out there. Uh. Um, And so it was, it was cool when years later, uh, when Sana had opened, I'm like, I need to apply for, Mm -hmm. I need to apply to work there. I just need to, I think I sent my cover letter in like four times, <laughs> like called a bunch. I was kind of obnoxious, but it was like, it was my calling.
1: Yeah. yeah. So funny as Kate's sitting here talking and telling that part of her story about the mountain, the sun has just, the rays have just come through <laughs> and are really shining on you. It's yeah. like,
2: I, I, I believe the universe
1: is really there to direct us. And when moments like that happen, I have to take note.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah no, It's like yeah. Oh. nature coming in. Like, yeah, we got this girl. <laughs> yeah.
1: For yeah. sure. Okay. Uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I, I know it's vulnerable. I know you've shared it a lot and it's probably part of your recovery, but um, or sustained recovery, I would say as, as is working at sauna and I know you, I know you give back like in a million different ways. I know you're at meetings on holidays on difficult times. You you're out in the communities doing work. You want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I go to meetings. I I do service work. I help run. Like we have these events on certain holidays that are tricky for people like Christmas and new years. Um, I help, uh, you know, I volunteer like serving food, cleaning up, whatnot, chairing meetings. Um, and yeah, I just like, I don't know. I, I realized that like, it took me some time to, um, not come out with my, about my recovery, but start telling people open, like talking openly about my recovery to people. And once I did, I've had a lot of friends or family members come to me and say hey like my my partner is really struggling or my cousin's really struggling do you think you can talk to them so i say absolutely give them my number Mm -hmm. and i'll walk with them and we can i think like there's a really powerful um connection made through sharing your story and your journey and your experience Mm -hmm. and your strength and your hope um, with another person struggling and showing them like hey i I've been through some I, either what you've been through or something similar and like all those thoughts going on in your head, I get it. Um, I know they're scary, but I get it and there's a way out. and I have a couple suggestions or options or I can like help you find a way out of where you're at. Um, so that's kind of like my my biggest way of helping out in the community is just being available for people who. Are struggling, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I also I've I've spoke at meetings um, for the Family Restored, which is a support group for family members who whose loved ones are either in active addiction or are in recovery. Um, I've told my story there, um, and those are powerful. Those are really powerful meetings. Um, I do whatever I can. Um, just because I know how hard it is, not only for the person in active addiction or early recovery, but also for their loved ones. Um, I know my, my family went through a lot with me, um, being so sick and them, you know, they, they couldn't save me. They couldn't like pick me up and drag me from that dark hole that I was, you know, down there with my shovel and covered mm. in my knees. I covered like knee deep in mud. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just any way I can provide support. Like I was given this, you know, I was given recovery to to use it and help mm-hmm. other people. Um, and I say this like cheesy line when I go to meetings about like how my my recovery is my super strength. Mm -hmm. Um, I do feel like I have a superpower because of my recovery and because of the things I've went through leading up to my recovery. Um, whether that be like, I I feel like I have a heightened sense of empathy now. I'm still very emotional, but working on it, um, even, you know, as a highly sensitive kid, it's, you know, a Mm -hmm. slow process to, uh, grow out of that. Um but yeah, empathy and understanding and patience I feel like I've gained through recovering and working on myself with the steps. And um, yeah, I I don't know where I was going with that drawing a blank.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, thank, <clears throat> thank you for like pivoting and, and doing what you do. I do believe. You're exactly where you're supposed to be on your path, right? Mm-hmm. I also like in yoga, you say you're deep, you were knee deep in mud. And we say in yoga, no mud, no Lotus.
0: Yeah. Oh, right? I love that too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it is hard. Sometimes what we've been asked, the path we've been asked to walk in this lifetime is damn hard, you know, and sometimes we get things come unexpectedly and it helps me to hear you. I have a daughter still very deep in her recovery. And even though I've learned, I can't love her into wellness. It's still always Let's me exhale a little bit, I guess, um, to have that validated. Cause as a mother, you still think there's something, some way you could be showing up. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I'm curious sort of other than sharing your story, which is helpful as I just stated as someone that walks beside it, um, and I guess that's the message you're giving is just like, no one could have done this for you. I mean, I guess the other thing I'm hearing is like, even though you in body just showed up at a lot of those things, your treatment, your peer meetings before you were ready before that day, that Friday, the 13th, it sounds like seeds were still planted. It, like it still was worthy for you to be doing that, even though you were like, I'm not ready to do this, but I'll go. Um Right, and then, and so that that I have to believe that those were like building blocks for that one day that you looked at those women as like, I want that, right,
0: yeah, absolutely it kind of is like,
1: uh, I don't know if you read, have you read Glennon Doyle's book, but you Which know one? she um untamed or any of them really, she just talks about laying on the hung over on the bathroom floor with yep. a positive pregnancy test, and that was her moment in total yuckiness and despair to say like I want to become something I want to become a mother right
2: Yeah, and it's yeah, almost yeah. like
1: that for you you're like I want to become someone that can smile on the outside and feel it on the inside
0: absolutely right yeah yeah and the the thing with like seeds being planted is like some of us just need a whole packet of seeds you know some of us some people, you know, they're given that one seed and they're able to bloom from there. I needed oh, I needed the whole garden.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, apparently my daughter needs like a few gardens. I don't know. Yeah.
0: throwing some you know, and I
1: just I just keep praying that that moment will come for her, but um yeah. you yeah. know, we I mean,
0: there're so many things that people have said and done along the way that like it all comes full circle when, but not until I'm like, I'm the one that's saying I need to change. I need, I want to live. I want to survive. I want to be happy. I want to be useful. Um, but yeah, everything that my family or friends or, um, peers or doctors have done for me, I, I, I am, I firmly believe that those were like laying the foundation, as you said. Um, sometimes it just, yeah it either takes more seeds or takes more found like more foundation being laid down but um yeah that's like kind of like the resiliency piece though is like Mm -hmm. you just keep getting back up and like keep hoping that like one day your garden will be in full bloom um or your your foundation is laid and now it's time to start building a house like even though like life has knocked you down like all different ways and deer have come in and stolen your plants and munched away on all of it. But yeah, you just keep on, keep on growing, keep on moving, keep on building. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's one day or one breath at a time.
0: Yeah. One hour, one minute. (laughs) You
1: know, and that's someone in recovery from substances. It's also just the human journey. And I think, um, you know, some of us have a, a strong tendency towards that, a strong risk, as you did towards that. Um, I I didn't, but I struggle in a million di- other ways, right? And so, but you know, my I have other family members that that do. So I do think your point, if some of us are hardwired for that, and that's what that information we can give our children is you don't know. So this is why we try to guide you
2: right. <laughs> and give
1: you information. um yeah. And I, I just hope in time we can shift that trajectory, but I don't, I don't know, but people yeah. like you can at least help, um, yeah. keep spreading your word and like helping people, um, know they're not alone. And I think that's all we can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I went to a peer recovery conference a few months ago and there were two young, young, uh, one was like 15, I think the other one, 17, Um, women that were speaking and they bring in programs to schools now like yeah we had the D.A.R.E. program but they were kind of like the the you know like like say no to drugs like it's simple as that kind of ordeal but yeah these women come in with lived experience and they're also um, products of uh, a mother who had substance use disorder and they are just there to support and educate and understand. Um, and I thought that was remarkable. Like I had tears streaming from my eyes like that. Mm-hmm. We've come, we have come a long way at least yeah. since, since I was in middle school and yeah. high
2: school.
1: Um, well, we, have, we definitely have to keep trying. And yeah, I, it does sound like the most powerful way. Like when we can identify in someone else, something that's similar to us and look at their path, then we can at least be in a place of full awareness when we choose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, children's kids still don't have their prefrontal cortex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to be that, but
2: they yeah. don't get like but <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kate, thank you so much. Like I, you've shared so much that I know is going to be um, interesting and helpful for people. And just thank you for all that you do. I I feel grateful that our paths crossed in this lifetime, and I got a chance to meet you and work with you. Um, now, thank you
0: for having me, Mary. It's of course it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. These podcasts are. I was I was listening to a bunch of them beforehand, and they're helpful for me. Um, yeah. helpful for anybody. Um, so I'm just, I'm very honored to be able to speak on one of them.
1: Well, thank you. I I think, as I have said before, we're all our own made fun characters of our own epic journeys. And, um, it's beautiful. I do feel like people in recovery are, are, you know, modern day prophecies. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of wisdom, especially when people like yourself choose to speak up and out about it, that we can learn and hopefully move the dial a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. make this journey, this human journey in these earth suits, a little softer.
0: Yeah, a little less uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) A little less uncomfortable, a little less alone. And I do think, like, we're all spirit souls, and just finding that light and getting it as bright as you can. And and so that speaks to the resiliency piece, which I think you've shared how you stay resilient in many ways. But if if there are there certain practices you do on a daily basis that help you stay resilient in your journey? Yeah,
0: I mean, I I meditate daily um my my spiritual journey involves prayer and meditation um i i i exercise i like you know take care of this vessel that <laughs> the earth suit um i find that very helpful just getting outside like where i'm so blessed to be living in vermont like and just being able to like get out into nature like I said, some of my like best ideas come from being out in nature and some of my worst as well, but um, (laughs) I can just like drive down the street and climb, uh, climb a mountain. It's such a beautiful Mm. beautiful gift of living in the state. Um, But yeah, I think what is most important for me is staying present in the day um, Mm. and also reaching out to somebody else that's in recovery and just, you know, like, or just doing the right, the, doing the next right thing, as we, we call yes.
2: it in, in yes. some
0: circles. But, um, you know, just being useful every day.
2: Um,
0: and some days I'm not so useful. Like a few days ago, I just laid in bed all day. <laughs> I was sick, but um, I still like reached out to somebody. Like we have technology. I can, I can shoot somebody a text and say like, hey, thinking of you. Yeah. Just, um, just being, being a good human every day. Or trying to be, trying yeah. to be a good human.
1: <laughs> I love that, Kate. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Mary.
1: Well, Kate, before we go, it does sound like a big part of your journey is helping others. And if anyone listening to this is sort of struggling, is there like would you like some contact information to share with them or?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would love to help anyone that's struggling. They can send me an email. Um, my email is uh land k e seven six so that's l-a n d as in land k as in kite e as in elephant seven six at gmail.com I'd be happy to help um point you in the direction of uh your path if you yeah. need it.
1: Thanks, Kate. And we'll have that in the show notes also so people can find it there. All right. Okay. I can't thank you enough.
0: Thank you, Mary.
1: I just love her. She is just really most, one of the most genuine people I know. And the way she's showing up in service, is um, it just warms my heart. And it also reminds me that that really is so fulfilling, right, when we give. And I think, um, I don't know, I hope a lot of you take what you need from this and that it's helpful. I know it really um, brought a lot of reflection to me of my journey and um, she just again enlightened me at so many levels Um, it's always just so nice to hear a perspective of someone that's been on the journey and is doing the work so thank you Kate I just love that so what I want to share with you also is that I don't have exact date yet but I'm just planting the seed for any of you that are local I'm going to be offering a six-week course, I don't know if that's the right word, but a six-week series, I guess, at Laughing River Yoga that is going to be for those of us walking beside someone that's struggling. And it'll be a combination of yoga, some healing tools, a little bit of opportunity to share and hold space for each other in community. Um, but there is a process. It's called reviving resilience. And so it's nurturing our nervous systems, you know, kind of getting a little handle on our attention. Coming home to ourselves through the lens of yoga and just sharing some tools to pull back your energy to realign. Because uh, whenever anyone comes to me that has someone in their life struggling, I'm always like, "Are you taking care of yourself?" And um, this is an opportunity for you to set aside a little time. I think it's going to be on Wednesday evenings at seven. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to start, though. That's it's going to be in the next little bit, though. I'll share that for you with that with you as soon as I get that worked out. Um, but I'm excited because I've been wanting to offer something like this for a long time. And so, um, perhaps there'll be a remote offering also virtual as long as, as well as in person. But, um, I'd love to see you there because I think, um, we all need this. I think it gets overlooked what those of us that are holding space for the people struggling go through. And so, um, this is an opportunity for us to do our healing because it is our one precious life and it's hard and it's beautiful. And so let's get our inner light shine and bright, right? So we can uh, make space for the things we want to do and how we want to light up the world, right? These pieces of our life, they don't define us, but they're an important part of who we are. So how do we take that and, and mold it into what, um, feels healed and feels whole and doesn't um, continue to knock us off our path. And it's, you know, it's a practice like anything else. All right, so more to come on that. I'm also growing my writing offering that's coming up in March. And uh, I am just so happy to be back interviewing and sharing with you guys. I love you so much. Thanks for being here. Um, If you like the podcast, you could rate it. You could leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. And check me out on Instagram and Facebook. That's usually where I put the sound bites and I'll let people know what's happening and just a little bit of wisdom sometimes, a little bit of offerings of hopefully motivation, hope and what it's like to be real, raw and relevant as a human in this world. All right, find something to celebrate today. Don't forget the power of the plants and we'll see you next time.